Aloha and welcome to Conversations to Enlighten and Heal. I'm your host, KG Styles. Today I'm excited to be speaking with Kaylin Castell. Kaylin is a renowned shamanic astrologer and teacher, co-founder of the Shamanic Astrology Mystery School. Kaylin teaches live events as well as online classes worldwide. On today's show, Kaylin will talk about Venus' return to the morning sky after her journey in the underworld. She will exactly conjunct her lover Mars on August 31st and then again on November 2nd. This tr is truly a rare event, what we're experiencing during these times. So after the show, Kaylin will stay on to answer questions. If anyone is here, we had to drop off our, our other uh, uh cast of the show um, I guess Google is having uh, difficulties technical difficulties so the Q&A window is open so if anyone does join us please feel free free to in, interact with us during the show please join me in welcoming my guest Kaylin Castell welcome to the show Kaylin thank you so much for being here thank you KG and it's been kind of fun navigating the technical difficulties uh, with that but I'm glad that we figured it out and we're here and we can rock yes and it's been a true collaboration of the heart no doubt so today is a powerful 8-8 day and it reactivates the triple infinity time gateway we are currently in we're excited to hear insights and wisdom from you and uh, share with us about this six and a half year cyclic journey of love as portrayed in numerous mythic love stories such as Rapunzel and Inanna and Dumizi. Uh, Venus just returned to the morning sky just uh, I, I think it was the 22nd something like that when she started becoming visible again and uh, she's now visible uh, up in the morning sky so all right I'm gonna give it to you Kaylin and uh, ask questions uh, I'll, I'll I'll, you know, you've got a slideshow slide presentation for us, and uh, I'll, if that's okay, I'll, you know, you can check in periodically with me to see if there are any questions or questions if anyone happens to join us. So, yes, and you, and feel free to interrupt me if I'm on a roll. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is it's a very exciting time, and um, not only is there there is a pattern that Venus and Mars come together in a certain way every six and a half years, but they aren't always in the same part of the sky. So um, that, that, but every 32 years, they will be in the same part of the sky. So the last time Venus and Mars came together in this pattern was 32 years ago in 1983. Well, actually it started in you know, 1982, 1983, and then um, we uh, started this pattern in, in 2014. That's um, when I became a mother. Oh, and, we moved to, and moved to Ashland, Oregon. And I mean, there was a lot that changed right then. So it's me too. My first, I had my first baby in 1982 in this process. So um, that's one of the reasons I've been very fascinated by looking at, at this as well. So it's pretty cool. So we're going to look at that pattern, the 30, well, we'll look at the six and a half year pattern, the two, uh, 32 year pattern. We're going to focus more on. There's actually three patterns that I'll mention. Um, a little bit about the other two, but we're going to focus on the one we're in, and um, we'll we'll also focus a little bit on what's going on with Venus and Mars and how um, that this dance right now is significant and how we can work with it in a personal way. So it's really exciting um, to do that. So what I'm going to do is uh, activate my uh, screen share um, and my slideshow. So let's see, I'll do that. Um, here we go. 
screen share and share. Can you see it? Yes, I can. Yay! Technology that works. We love it. <laughs> okay, so um, so this is, I, I call this the Sacred Union of Venus and Mars in 2015 uh, because this is really about how they dance together and kind of how we can also work with them together uh, when we're uh, understanding what their dance is and we can tune into that. Of course, we can always, this is part of what we love to do in shamanic astrology is create a more direct experience of that. So I'm going to give you a little background on the Mars cycle, a little background on the Venus cycle, and then how the two interact. But if you understand why, there's a big difference between the two cycles. So the Mars cycle lasts about 25 months. It's kind of average time for it. Or 779.9 days. You can round that up to 780 days. So it's almost, um, you know, it's a little over two years that Mars will be in a specific cycle. So, and what we're talking about a cycle here is from the, um, uh, it's a term called acronychal rise or the rise of Mars as the sun sets. So when Mars is opposite the sun, the cycle begins. And the reason we pick this place to begin the Mars cycle is because Mars is brightest and closest to the earth and most stunning and also in the sky all night long. So it's pretty amazing time to begin a cycle. And, um, and then we look at um, how Mars returns to the same area of the sky approximately every 15 to 17 years. There'll be a Mars cycle, and we'll see this a little bit more um, coming along as we go through the slides. But the uh, Mars returns that happen in a person's life are closest to age four, 15, 47, and 79. And these cycles are a, a good two years, you know, the, um, anywhere from 24 to 26 months, with the average being around 25 months. So um, you can see this beautiful pattern that Mars makes in the sky of where it's like going in opposition to the sun, and it's kind of creating this sacred geometry pattern uh, in the sky. Um, and there's, here's just another perspective or another way of looking at when Mars is reaching opposition to the sun and how it does it every couple of years. And as it goes through different, it's like in different parts of the sky, it's creating this very beautiful sacred geometry pattern that's different than the pattern that Venus makes. Venus makes a five-pointed star pattern mm -hmm. in the sky. And her cycle lasts about 19 months. And we look at the beginning of the Venus cycle when she rises as a morning star, which happened on August 22nd, uh, about the, when she gets about 10 degrees from the sun. And, um, and her cycle lasts 583.92 days, or we rounded up to 584 days. And Venus, um, in eight years, will go through five 584-day cycles. To, and then comes back to a starting point. We'll see that also. I'm going to illustrate that again in another in a little bit, but just to see that. And that Venus and Mars will return together in this, you know, so their starting point to come back together. Mars takes 15 years to get back to a starting point. Venus takes eight years to get back to a starting point. And around 32 years is when they come back to a starting point together, which is a fascinating pattern. We'll see more of in a moment, actually, in this. Very next slide. So um, this is this is showing the current pattern that we're in, and the 32 years prior, and the 32 years before that, and the 32 years before that. So um, something to know is that in 1918, 1950, 1982, and 2014, 
um, Mars was at opposition very near to the same place in the sky. Uh, it shifts off a few degrees. It's not always exactly, but it's pretty close. And in 1919, um, Mars rose up in the sign of Libra, I mean in Virgo, and then in 1952, 83, and 2015, and also in 2046, the next time, 32 years from now, Mars was rising at opposite the sun in the sign of Libra. So um, that's pretty amazing to note, note that pattern, to note that there's that 32-year pattern. And then um, uh, Venus was uh, in 1918 and 1950, she began her cycle in Aquarius, in 1982 and 2014, and also in 2046, she'll begin her cycle in Capricorn. So what we're seeing in the circles here on this slide is that uh, the time when Venus and Mars work together in the morning sky uh, and, and the date range. So we're not looking at the exact points. These dates are not the exact points. What they are is they're representing the time when Venus and Mars are within 10 degrees of each other. And they stay within 10 degrees of each other for a long time, for about mm -hmm. four months. Yeah. And so, and this is the specific pattern that repeats every 32 years where they, and actually it does every six and a half years too, but not in the same part of the sky. They'll be in different signs when that happens. So, um, so it's pretty fascinating. And, and there's a lot of insight that we can get about this. And we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, kind of how we've been perceiving this from the, um, uh, shamanic astrology perspective, what it means and how we can work with that. But just to give you that kind of background of this 32-year pattern. Um, this is also just another way of seeing, you know, how Venus and Mars create a different pattern in the sky. So um, the in 2014, Venus rose as a morning star in Capricorn. In 2014, uh, Mars was opposite the sun in Libra. And, uh, and that'll um, happen again in um, uh, 2029, um, when Mars will be rising up in Libra. And then we can follow that path. So, so Venus in Capricorn then goes to Venus rising in Leo, what she just did in 2015, in August of 2015. And then in March 31st, I think, of 2017, Venus rises and Aries. And then in uh, 2018, Venus is going to rise at like 29 degrees Libra. And then in 2020, Venus rises in Gemini. And then in 2022, it will rise again in Capricorn. So you can see that eight-year pattern of when it returns back. Every, every eight years will return back to the same part of the sky. So um, Mars is, is similar, uh, except that it's a longer period of time. And every, it's moving into new signs every two years. And it's actually... In the pattern that it is currently, it's skipping. So it goes from Libra to Sagittarius. That'll happen next year, May 22nd of 2016. Mars will be opposite the sun in May. So it will be in Sagittarius. And um, it will be early degrees of Sagittarius. And then in 2018, it'll be in Aquarius. And then in October of um, 2020, it'll be in um, Aries. And then in December of 2022 it'll be in gemini and then in 2025 it'll be in cancer and then virgo in 2027 and then back to um libra in um 2029 in march of 2029 so it, it's going to take that on back to starting um so that's that cool to see like the visual i love the visual <laughs> to get the sense of how and then that the fact that they actually do come together even though their patterns are so completely 
different. Um, so that, you know, that also is, brings to mind this idea that the masculine... Well, uh, may I ask a question? Yes, yes. I think it's interesting that it's like, a, am I getting, you know, I, I just think it's interesting that it looks like one is, is like a five, Venus is a five-pointed star, and yeah. Mars is making seven. Right. It's seven. There's seven Mars cycles for it to return to a starting point, so, and five Venus cycles for it to return to a starting point. So one is 779 days, and the other is 584 days, and so that you, of course they're, they're making a, a different pattern. Also, um, Venus will skip, you know, you, she's, whereas Mars is making more of a, like going from, uh, not always to the next sign. It's often skipping a couple of signs. Sometimes it'll skip several signs. Sometimes it'll go right into the next sign. It, it's pattern shifts all the time. But that's what's, this is what's happening over the next few years with Mars. Um, well, it's been, uh, what I noticed last time, I mean, is this true? Um, seems that Mars after, seems like Mars enters and does a retrograde in the sign where Saturn just left. That's what <laughs> I, yeah. And so it's kind of like Saturn goes through and restructures an area of your life. And then as it leaves, Mars comes in there and reactivates it, re-energizes it. And then it, and if there's anything that needs to get the boot, <laughs> when it retrogrades, right. it'll get the boot. Right. <laughs> anything right. you're holding on to that you haven't let go of, <laughs> Mars will give it the boot when it does that retrograde. And well, what's so, you're noticing something. We have right. a retrograde Mars coming up, don't we? Yes, that's the one that's going to happen in. Um, well, the the new it's cycle. In Scorpio, where Saturn is just leaving, right? Right. Right. And the last Saturn, time well, it, it did the same thing in Libra. We're Saturn right. Mars. Saturn's just right. re-entering Sagittarius, but it doesn't always work that way. Okay. So just noticing something very interesting because it just so happens that the, it right now that the Mars cycle is calibrating with the Saturn cycle. Yeah. And as it's shifting into new signs, but actually, because Saturn usually takes two and a half years to pass through a sign, and the Mars cycle is about 25 months, they don't always line up like this. Yeah. It just so happens that it's working this way right now. It seems is, like a good way for it to work. It does seem that way. <laughs> yes. Not yeah. that it's, you know, you know how those two are. Right. <laughs> well, they don't always feel so good, but the, 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 they get the job done. Right. And what, you know, what we've been perceiving with Mars in the Libra overtone, like the whole entire 25 month cycle is working with um, the, the masculine um, experience of Libra, of conscious equal partnership. Uh, you know, how does the masculine principle um, unite and honor and come together with the feminine principle and, um, and you know, to create that experience and with Saturn having been there as well helping to restructure how we perceive ourselves in relationship masculine feminine relationship but to all of our relationships it's not just in, um, masculine feminine relationships it does include all of them but since um, we're looking at Venus and Mars right now we're kind of focused a little bit on how yeah. they come together and in relating and there's been a lot of wounding and a lot of challenges around that so we're in a sense it's like how do we dismantle those old patriarchal forms of relating that hasn't really served either ultimately and doesn't allow them to be fully who they and are interesting that um the north node's been in Libra, which is about relationships mm -hmm. ruled by venus and now is moving into virgo which is where they will you know 
of Venus's retrograde when she has the seed point here in just uh, on the 31st of August. Uh, so that's when they touch and it's unusual for them to join together twice. Right. It's a, it's kind of a rare event. So uh, it's just interesting that here the North node is getting ready to move into Virgo and we have this double seeding that's happened and they're going to, they're going to touch again, November 2nd, if I have the day right. date right. So it's it's just kind of interesting the whole orchestration. Yes, and if you consider that the North Node only goes into Virgo every 19 years, and we're looking at you know the 15 year Mars pattern, and we're looking at the um, five, the eight year Venus pattern, and then we're looking at Venus and Mars together every 32 years, and that they're coming together in Leo and then Virgo, and the North Node will be in Virgo, and you know it's like so how rare is it that all these cycles will come to, well we know venus and mars will come together in this pattern every 32 years but but the north node's not necessarily going to be there and jupiter's also in virgo <laughs> so right so that yeah. i mean it's, it's an inter it's an interesting confluence of right energies, no doubt about it so it right. just you know so it feels a very positive thing uh, mm -hmm. to me, that it is you know there's there is there are things being orchestrated the divine uh, orchestration yeah <laughs> right. So I just wanted to show this little pattern of how Venus and Mars, if you put their patterns together, and this would be tracking seven orbits of Mars or 15 years, over 15 years, this is how Venus and Mars, their pattern looks together. It was just, I thought that was fascinating to see the sacred geometry of that. Very interesting. So, yeah. And I just wanted to, so we'll speak um, a bit about the, um, the three distinct patterns of how Venus and Mars come together. Uh, every six and a half years. So um, the the current pattern is the one that we connect to the story of Anana and Demuzi. I'll share a little bit more about that in a moment, or the story of Rapunzel. Um, there's also other, so, and this this pattern is where there is a short meeting in the evening sky, and we'll, we'll, we're gonna talk a little bit more about this as we go through, and then there's the long meeting in the morning sky that's almost four months, and then the, um, the well, there is four months, and the evening sky, meeting was like you know two or three weeks i think and there was one only one exact conjunction and then they separated uh, and that really connects beautifully into the story of rapunzel as we will see so um uh the information that comes for our understanding of how venus and mars is the story of rapunzel was um something that was written about by william Irwin thompson who wrote the book the time when fallen bodies take to light he also wrote this article, The Imaginary Making Worlds of Myth and Science, The Imaginary Landscape Making Worlds of Myth and Science. And that's where this information is coming from. So if anybody wants to see if they, they can find that um, and read that, it's pretty fascinating what he... It's um, interesting, the work, Rudolf Steiner did a lot of work, like what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. He had a, a lot of understanding about the sacred geometry and uh you know we're hand landscapes and and mm -hmm. flow and right yeah. yeah yeah he did and he and he had a he had an amazing understanding of things too and what we um what william Warren thompson has been looking into is how many of our mythic stories come to us as a cosmological telling as a you know a description of what's happening in the sky and we're going to mm. see how that happens with the rapunzel story so in the Rapunzel story, the main characters are the witch, represented by the moon, Rapunzel represented by Venus, and Mars represented um, 
prince represented by Mars. And so back in February, um, on the 20th of February, the moon, the crescent moon in the evening sky rose up um, and sort of between Venus and Mars. And um, in the story, what happens is Rapunzel, who is, you know, having this um, little uh, uh, affair with the prince, um, and she's been kept in a tower by the witch who wants to keep her away from romantic love and um, having this, having, um, uh, you know, the kind of experience, it's, it's more of a matriarchal thing. Like she wants to keep the, the, this um, uh, Rapunzel away from that experience, but she winds up having the experience anyway, and the witch finds out, and basically, she casts the prince out of the tower. Uh, what she finds out, she cuts off Rapunzel's hair so he can't get up, um, or nobody can come up that way without her knowing. And then she uses the hair to, for him to put down the tower, so he climbs up, and when he climbs up, he encounters the witch. And she pushes them out the window, and he falls into the um, bushes, the thorns below, and it, and it blinds him. And this is basically symbolic of him now traveling through the underworld. And so um, on April 17th of 2015, Mars uh, disappeared into the underworld, became so close to the sun, was not able to be seen anymore, and was with was in the underworld for um, several months until August 5th of 2015. And so in the story, what happens is that um, Rapunzel is also cast out into the wilderness, and she um, she's wandering in the wilderness and then um, at some point they come and they reunite. Uh, he hears her voice or hears her singing and then she sees him and she runs to him and, and holds him and her tears fall upon his eyes. His blindness is healed and they're reunited. And that's what's happening in the story right now. So Venus and Mars are reuniting August 31st, exact, and November 2nd, but they're already within 10 degrees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and will be until November 22nd be within 10 degrees so um, the um, anyway so we, we can look at the story uh, and the um, what happened uh, was that on February 20th the moon was with Venus at zero Aries and 10 minutes and then with Mars at zero Aries Venus and Mars were exact on February 21st so this is the part of the story where the, the moon is the witch is coming is finding out and figuring out what's going on and is going to separate Venus and Mars. So Venus then continues her evening sky journey and Mars goes into the underworld, is cast out into the underworld, blind. And so um, so we have image here of Rapunzel. Some of the, some of the stories say she goes wandering through the desert or through the wilderness, um, and uh, and the prince wanders blind in the underworld. Um, but what we were imagining was that at this point in February, when the two came together, at the, cl close to the equinox point, right, the zero Aries point, um, there was a conception that took place. And the way the story ends with Rapunzel is when they get back together, she has given birth to twins, a boy and a girl. And so um, when they're re reunited, they're also reunited with the twins. And in the story, they say that, you know, once the prince is able to see, he takes Rapunzel back to his kingdom and they're welcomed and you know they've given birth they have these this boy girl twins and we could imagine that they've given birth to the new masculine and the new feminine mm -hmm. and we and that it actually turns out that from february when the time they were together to november is nine months a gestation point so um so we've been imagining what you know how this has been 
uh, if we've been gestating this birth of the new masculine and the new feminine. So August, um, from August 22nd to November 22nd, Venus and Mars are within 10 degrees. They, and they're two exact meetings. And interestingly, their meeting on August 31st is at al almost exactly 15 degrees Leo. And we know that 15 degrees Leo is the cross quarter point, the point where the sun has reached the exact halfway point between the June solstice and the September equinox. And so those cross quarter points are highly significant as well. And the Celts saw those cross quarter points as an in between time, like, you know, the when we can access divination, we can access, you know, um, psychic intuitive um, experiences. We can, you know, there's there's that time where we can um, have an experience that is sort of in between one reality and another, um, which is kind of cool. And their second coming together is close to the November cross quarter. Uh, they're coming together at 24 Virgo, but the cross quarter actually happens on November 7th when the sun reaches 15 degrees Scorpio. So the cross-quarter energy seems to be present with this. Um, they're coming together. So is there any questions you have so far, Katie? Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, I can't remember the, uh, wasn't, wasn't, I can't recall exactly, but I know Jupiter, wasn't it conjunct the uh, Leo new moon? And wasn't that near that 14, the cross-quarter point? Uh, just a couple, just a, um, a few days that ago. Happened. It, well, I know it happened on August 14th, the, the Leo new moon. I can't remember the degree it happened at, but wasn't yeah, it, it was later, Jupiter? It was later degrees. Um, yeah, and, and Jupiter was, Jupiter, Jupiter's actually in this story because it's not exact, but in November 2nd, Jupiter's like right there with, really close to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting that Jupiter is involved in this whole because that expands the energy that brings good fortune and, and blessings to yes. this reunion and this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jupiter did go into Virgo on the 11th of August, but it's so close to the sun it's not visible now and won't be visible until like the 10th of September reemerging into the morning sky. And that's the actual first time the moon and Venus meet in this new Venus cycle where um, as she's beginning her descent into the underworld, connecting to the story of Inanna. And as Venus goes into the underworld, she, um, she go, has to go through the seven gates. And at each gate, they ask her to give up one of her vestments. Um, she's dressed up in her ceremonial regalia. And so at the first gate, she gives up her crown. And that'll be happening on September 10th, at the same time that Jupiter is re-entering the morning sky. Which and is Saturn goes direct. Yes, and goes into Sagittarius, not direct, yeah. goes into Sagittarius. Right, right close to that date. Yeah. Not exact on that date, but I think it's really close to that date. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty amazing <laughs> what's yeah. happening. A lot of and, completion, a lot of everything is sort of coming together, these reunions, the completion right. of all the purification. and Yes. So for people who are um, inclined to be up early in the morning, on um, August 31st, or you can even be starting to see that now if you get clear skies. I haven't been in a place where clear skies are yet, so I haven't had a chance to see Venus and Mars. But on the 31st, they're going to be kind of side by side here. And they're, um, you know, in this is the head of the lion 
um, where they're going to be meeting sort of between the lion and the crab, the way it's drawn on, on this particular star map. And the other thing that's really fascinating is to see how in the sky, also in the morning sky, you'll be seeing um, something called Heaven's Gate. There's the constellation of Orion and then Heaven's Gate, um, Betelgeuse is the arm of, of Orion, sometimes called the armpit. Procyon is in the constellation of Canis Minor, the small dog, and is um, connected to the ship Argo uh, from Jason and the Argonauts and the, you know, the uh, quest for the Golden Fleece. And then Sirius, the Canis Major, the major, um, and they, this forms a perfect triangle in the sky. And then the blue line that's coming through this triangle of the Heaven's Gate is the um, center line of it's the um, plane of the galaxy, and so many ancients saw this as the entrance point uh, here underneath the twins, the the gateway, you know, entrance point into this reality this, uh, between the, the twins and Orion and so on. So Mars and Venus, even though they're not zodiacally in the same sign, they're just kind of interesting to note that they're in this part of the sky um, with that with that. Uh, um, Asterism, Heaven's Gate, one of my favorite. It's very easy to spot. And when you see it in the sky, it does look like a perfect equilateral triangle as well. And Venus, of course, will be very, very bright, impossible to miss if you have clear skies. And Mars, um, you know, a little bit dimmer and off to the left of where Venus is if you're looking east as you know, before the sun rises on August 31st. And then on November 2nd, you can see how far, because Venus and Mars met between the crab and the lion, um, according to the star map, and then you can also see Jupiter has joined, is pretty close to them at the um, at their conjunction in November, uh, and they're at the head of the Virgin Priestess in the tail of the lion. And in fact, I think 23 degree Virgo is um, aligned with a star called Denebola, which is the tail of the lion, and um, an important star in the sky. So this conjunction this second union exact union because they're staying within 10 degrees the whole entire time and they don't separate from that 10 degree point until the 22nd of november so their union this is a long union yeah and 10 is the number of instant manifestation <laughs> i love it and the reason we use the 10 degree orb is because that's what the ancients used if you take your fist and put it straight you know you straighten your arm and you put it make a fist you, you can um, line it up with Venus and Mars. You can put one on one side and one on the other. Within 10, you know, one, if they're within 10 degrees, they will touch either side of, of your fist. And so that, that was, that's a 10 degree um, uh, marker, one way to mark the 10 degrees. And so, um, so that's how the ancients, that's something they considered to still be a conjunction. Like they're not, they're, they're really close. They're so close together that it's not, even though they're not an exact conjunction, it's considered a, a conjunction for the whole time. And then we see, of course, the moon in this slide is getting ready to come along and catch up in the next couple of days. We'll catch up with all of that um, after November 2nd. So just, and that's so something to- Which is if you're looking back at that Rapunzel story is kind of interesting that, you know, the moon catches up and- Right, while they're, also, still, while they're still united. You know, yes, exactly, <laughs> because there's like a, there's a, uh, Almost like a witnessing, a uh, a blessing, perhaps. And, you know, yeah, like, I mean, she finally she. You know what I'm saying? The moon sort of 
Like, right. It was like blessing the union after yeah. all. It wasn't, right. yeah. But both they passed Jupiter. that test. They passed yeah. that test. I feel like in a way, right. you know, the moon does represent, you know, a lot of what's hidden that we go through a lot of testing from these things, our instincts, things that are hidden within us, our own dark emotional needs that are unexpressed. Right. Uh, and, you know, it, it, the lovers actually help bring this into the light. And this is also... Where she, will she be at? Where will the moon be at? Will she be in a, a waxing phase or what phase? Wane, will she it's a waning moon because it's in the morning sky and the moon is always in her waning phase. And so there, there's there's that aspect of, the you know, having been through the whole journey, the moon is getting ready to go to a new point. So mm -hmm. there's a wisdom aspect that's connected yes. to the waning moon. Um, connecting to the grandmothers and you know the blessed like you know she has this ability. and the most re receptive I feel the moon is her most receptive when she's at that time waning she's really receiving right and, uh, there's an acceptance there right surrender and acceptance yes yeah. yeah and then and you know and we can see heaven's gate is still in the sky even though Jupiter and and um, Venus and Mars aren't as close to that part of the sky and of course now they've all passed Regulus they're no and, mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that happens between the first conjunction and the second conjunction um, is that Venus and Mars will pass the heart star of the lion and also um, you know that Sphinx point the the hall of the entrance point to the hall of records Regulus was considered to be connected to that one of the four royal stars of ancient times and Raphael the healing angel Yep. So lots of alchemy and magic connected to yes. that star Regulus, which has been a, a major player in this as Ju you know, because Jupiter was with Regulus as it went into uh, Virgo in uh, early August. And also. Venus touched Regulus at her retrograde. And three times she's touching Regulus. Yeah. Right. So um, when she goes direct, she's, she's done it already twice. And then she, when she goes direct, she'll come back one more time. And Mars is still yet to... Um, past Regulus, and that will happen in, in this time period as well. So it's really exciting. When she, when she passes, is Saturn already in Sag? Saturn goes into Sagittarius, I think, on, um, I want to say September 24th. I don't have my book right in front of me. I think it's the 11th of September is when Or maybe it's the 11th. Yeah. Something happens on the 24th. Oh, it's Pluto stationing. I'm sorry, Pluto stationing on the 24th. Yes. Uh, and then, and then, um, and then, uh, Mercury's going to go retrograde too, so we've got a lot of activity happening in the, and including the eclipses and everything else, which is a whole other conversation. But uh, it's a September is going to be a powerful, powerful month, and including the fact that Venus and Mars with Jupiter are so um, and the eclipses, and we have this you know final uh, uh, blood red moon. Right. That lunar eclipse in Aries, conjunct right. the south node. I mean, there's... <laughs> yes. And what's really interesting, too, about that eclipse, because I mentioned that Venus and Mars came together in February of 2015 um, in the evening sky at, at zero or one degree Aries, and that eclipse is happening around four degrees Aries, so really close to where their conjunction was as well. So, you know, what is being activated by, you know, one of the things I like to say about an eclipse is that it's accelerating our experience from um, a full cycle of the moon. So we go from a full moon back, you know, back through all the phases of the moon, back to a full moon in about three hours. It's, you know, and it usually takes about 30 days. So it really is accelerating 
um, something when, when there's an eclipse happening. So very, um, very interesting that it's also happening so close to the degree where Venus and Mars met. Well, it's interesting. Uh, have you heard of the Schumann resonance, the frequency that the, yeah. the yeah. planet resonates at typically? Yeah. I understand that it's beginning to uh, accelerate. It's going, the frequency is going up right. pretty quickly. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, and when you ask, you know, you have to ask what's being activated. I think you have to ask what's not being activated. <laughs> <laughs> right. I That's mean, just it's, well it's you know, it's like ping balls. You know, it's uh, yeah. you know the that that wizard, the alchem the alchemist. Right. Um, yeah. so much, uh, Alchemy is the, is the key here. Totally, it's all about alchemy. Um, so what I came up with some questions. We did this. Um, we did a Venus Mars tele, um, I mean, webinar for the Shamanic Astrology Mystery School. And if people are interested in getting more details of this, because we've just kind of covered it fairly quickly here, um, you can check out that. Go to shamanicastrology.com and click on the teleclass series, or and you can find access to that um, or the uh, sign up to get that webinar. But um, we did a little visualization, and one of the things I did was ask these questions. Is, about how these energies of the divine feminine and divine masculine are showing up for you because this really is a sacred union that happens within us first not you know it's not just what's happening externally but it's the reflection in the mirror to us of what's happening internally so if you tune into that it's like how is how are they having a conversation how are they relating to one another how are they working together and we've got venus in leo um, the Leo overtone now, and she's also in the sign of Leo, but um, her, you know, she's t doing her journey as the divine sovereign queen to reclaim, you know, her position as the divine sovereign queen with self-love, radical, radiant self-love. And Mars is really still in his journey to uh, um, figure out how to do conscious equal partnership and honor the feminine in her sovereignty as well, and as well as the masculine honoring, you know, its own self and its sovereignty. So you can ask and tune in and want and see if does one of them have a stronger voice? Do you, are you more attuned to your feminine voice or your masculine voice? And if so, then you know what what could you do to uh, help the other voice to become stronger within you? And then um, you can also ask if they're working harmoniously together within you. And if they're not, then what would you need to do in order to create greater harmony between the masculine and feminine that is within you? And we all have it, whether we're women or men, we all have that, that feminine masculine um, energy that's going on within us. And when we do the sacred marriage work with that part of ourselves, then we're actually able to show up in healthier ways for uh, experiencing conscious equal partnership and fulfilling relationships and so on, whether that's, you know, whatever kind of relationship we want to be in. And then, then another question was, um, what is the strength of your commitment to developing both the feminine and masculine energy and their whole and sovereign expression within you. So this, and you actually could probably just work with this question. I think it's a really great one because it kind of covers the other, other three questions that we just looked at. And um, you might ask how this can give you access to creative powers you've never before imagined. And you know, we can see this little image of, of um, perhaps it's Adam and Eve standing side by side in the, you know, in the garden, in that place of, um, you know, how do we return to uh, un our understanding of how we are co-creating our reality and we can co-create a new earth that is um, 
coming back to the garden of earthly delight. That's really um, the intention or that I am energizing and I feel would be really great that if there were a lot of us energizing that intention uh, as well, because the more we have people energizing that, you know, it increases that the possibility of that happening exponentially. So any questions about that, Katie? Or no, I, I love I love that. I, I feel that uh, Venus and Mars are very very much involved. You know, those are personal energies, very involved in the in the creative process. And we are all creative by nature. We're inborn creators. We're always creating. We're really our our life is our work of art. Yes, and when when we have that. A divine feminine and divine masculine energy working together within us then we can create in ways we can't even necessarily imagine beyond what we've ever done before which is mm -hmm. kind of exciting to think about so definitely something we would um, benefit I think generally the feminine aspect I maybe I say this because of my own you know I'm, <laughs> I'm a doer I love to be really doing things and be active but you know I do have a commitment to being to having regular time where I'm in meditation I'm receiving and I'm practicing mm -hmm. listening because it's really the listening I mean you really need more time listening and being receptive mm -hmm. and being in that place where you're you're energizing your power to attract things to you to, to have the fulfillment of what it is you know your intentions and what you've activated you also need to give space for things to show up and you're not always doing 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 right. so you're actually you know you push push things away when you're too much you know yes you know it's well, like then you're you start one feeling like you're chasing after because you're not getting the you know you want the response to be you know. right and uh you have to have the give space have the patience to allow things allow yourself the space for things to respond to you because you're in a co-creation you're not just it's not just about you there's a whole synchrony of things happening and it's divine timing that's orchestrating things it's not just your timing and how that you want things mm -hmm. right now right and that you're bringing up a really interesting point because there are aspects of the feminine that we would refer to as solar feminine which are more active more seemingly young energy active energy and there's aspects of the masculine that are more yin kind of energy so um, so they can have both it's not just you know we're not just we're not separating it out as to say you know, masculine, active, feminine, receptive. There's there's qualities of both. And interestingly, Venus, having just um, you know started her new cycle in Leo, is very solar feminine and connects to the goddess Sekhmet. You know, and to to very fierce and um, amazing energy that is uh, you know how the how is the feminine actively helping to create alchemy. You know, that's what Sekhmet's job was is to to uh, to write the imbalance in the world, so um, so and she's actively about doing that. Um, and then you know, the, and the masculine in Libra is more about how how to be. It's it's a little bit more of a you know how to be in relationship and notice and you know it seems a little bit more receptive in a sense. So it's kind of almost like what we would consider in our understanding of masculine feminine as a role reversal, but actually it's just because we got very tight. Just um, I. Uh, definitions of what masculine and feminine are or have been in our culture just so it's just interesting to consider um, yeah to that. Good, 
Good point. Big, I mean, right. Libra does rule the military. So, uh, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. pretty forceful. I've heard it. Uh, I've heard it said. You know, Libra is like the uh, iron fist in the velvet glove. You know, they come across all gracious and refined, and really know how to you know schmooze and stuff like that but they really have this you know yeah <laughs> very set there they can be kind of uh controlling you know i mean it's well yeah i mean it, you I know mean, it, it is you know that all those time, cardinal right? signs are controlling yeah there's a, there's a side to every archetype so yeah. And and we and, and you know subtle manipulative ways that uh, that can happen are more overt and plainly out out open you know so yeah definitely but what we want to probably do here is really imagine how these energies can come together in their highest most divine expression so um, I came up with this imagery that I'm working with and that is to imagine a fully empowered masculine Mars joining in sacred union with a fully empowered feminine Venus as they meet in a happily ever after encounter of Hieros Gamos, Gamos or sacred marriage, which is really the symbol of Venus and Mars being um, together in the sky for such a long time. It really is that sacred marriage, sacred union, our Hieros Gamos expression, and that they're each ready to meet the other in all the ways they want and need to be met further empowering their co-creative union, giving birth to the twins, or the new feminine and the new masculine, dedicated to collaborating in the sacred work to assist Gaia and her ascension. Yeah, so, the image so, I had right away was that yin-yang. So yeah. You know, where yeah. both has a little bit of the other. Yeah, yes. And the true. symbol. Right, yeah, so this is something that people can work with, and you know, over the next four months, and I would, I would, you know, if you can create that as a daily intention or something to meditate on, to journey on, to ask, you know, your guides for assistance and help and how do you create this for yourself? How do you, you know, with that intention and all we really need is the intention and everything else will pretty much fall into place. There's some one little small piece to know is that anything that is not aligned with that attention will come up to get cleared. And I know, mm -hmm. PG, you've been having this experience, and I have too, where it's like some crazy things happening that give us the opportunity to see where we still have our own stuff to, to, uh, to work through and clear and let go of and release and surrender to or whatever it is that we need to do um, so that it's not the thing that's driving us because it's, the, it's unconscious. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, the inside comes out. <laughs> Right. So um, I just wanted to, it, it, we're, we're kind of at the end here, but um, if you're interested in doing the Venus um, journey as a, a ceremony and working with each of her gates over the next either nine months or 18, almost 19 months, um, we are doing a, a teleclass series, Venus Alchemy at venusalchemy.com. It's been phenomenal. We have a lot of people who've already joined the class. We'll be having our first class on September 7th. And there's still an early registration special that goes until September 6th. So you can go check that out. And then um, I just some additional resources for people. That, and I already mentioned this, the Sacred Union of Venus and Mars in the Morning Skies and their sagas, or sagas meaning epic stories. Uh, and that was the webinar that um, we just did uh, last weekend. 
so um, that goes into more detail about all of this and speculation about what it means and how we can work with it. And there's a little guided meditation and so on. You can do that. And then also some articles that Tammy and I have been writing um, at venusalchemy.com. If you go to the articles uh, section, there's um, an article on reclaiming the divine sovereign queen. Uh, Leo, Venus and Leo, and there's a picture of Sekhmet here, who wears the solar disc on her head. She is a solar goddess. Um, there's a little article on Sekhmet returning and then igniting feminine leadership through the new Leo cycle, which is really amazing. Tammy um, has done a lot of research on um, men and women who in this were born into this Venus cycle and how they, you know, they're, they're leaders in their own way and well-known people. Um, that I'm trying to remember, like, uh, who, who some of them are. Um, like, um, well, Marianne Williamson is one. She wrote of her book, A Return to Love, in her age 40 Venus return in this Venus overtone. Um, I think Carissa, uh, Clarissa Pincoli Estes wrote um, Women Who Run With the Wolves mm -hmm. in her um, Leo Venus overtone return. She's got that same cycle. So there's lots of um, people and it's just a great um, way to get additional information and so on and so those articles are available on uh, venusalchemy.com and then if anybody wants to know more about celestial timings I'm actually going to give away the uh, September timings uh, so you can go to my website kandcostell.com or celestialtimings.com and uh, that'll be posted in the next few days um, access to the September timings and and there's a lot on this upcoming uh, total lunar eclipse, Venus stationing direct, um, Mercury stationing retrograde. There's so much happening this month. Uh, it be worth, uh, worth it if you're interested in finding out more. So that's all I have. All right. Well, uh, I, is it okay if I ask another question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, could you speak a little bit about the Demuzi story and Anna and Demuzi? That's, oh, yeah. I know that's a love story. Um, could you speak just a little bit about that particular story? Well, what's interesting is that, um, okay, so when Anana goes to the underworld, um, she hears the call to go to the underworld. So she's choosing to go. She's not forced to go to the underworld. And, um, and then she makes the descent through the seven gates. She dies. She's reborn. She dies to who she believes herself to be, is reborn, comes back up out of the underworld. And in the process of coming back up, she has to choose someone to take her place as part of the story. So when she gets back to the evening sky, so this is how it fits into what happened this, in this particular cycle. When she gets back to the evening sky and she sees Demuzi sitting on her throne <laughs> and he hasn't been worried or concerned about her. He's just like having a good time. She, and, you know, she's like, okay, your turn to go. You go get initiated. You go to the underworld. And, of course, he, in the story, he tries to get out of it. He runs. And, you know, the, the, the creatures that came with her that are supposed to take the person back that she chooses to go back has to chase him down and they take him into the underworld. So he doesn't go into the underworld right away. And as you remember, um, the moon conjuncted Mars in uh, February and Mars didn't go into the underworld until April. So it took him a while to find him and take him down into the underworld. And then he gets initiated there. And then he comes back up out of the underworld and um, there's not a lot that has been written about when he comes back as the initiated masculine. There's a lot about their love story prior to her going into the underworld. 
you know, and the, their their lovers, and you know, it, it goes on and on in the Sumerian texts. But there's not a lot that really describes what happens after he comes back and they meet in the morning sky, you know, as after he's now they're both fully been through the underworld initiation process. Um, so we are kind of um, um, dreaming into that. What is that? What does that look like? What does that mean? And so kind of what I was saying in terms of now, how does the fully initiated masculine, you know, meet with the fully initiated feminine in conscious equal partnership as co-creative partners? That is really, I think, the intention. And maybe we've lost, we lost that part of the story. But I think that's how the story would end. Um, well, that's a good point. I think we have lost that part of the story. <laughs> and now we need to reactivate it. You know, we need to live into it and where we are now. Yes. Know, what that feels like, what that looks like. It's interesting to see your background there. It's like I see three doors. There's a lot of comings and goings with you right now. That's when I saw that right away, it was like, Okay, she's doing, look all three doors there, you know, <laughs> yes, and a I lot know. of choices, a lot of, you know, a uh, lot of decisions to be made. Either, so that's part yeah. of the normal so, place. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. You're, uh, I'm in New you, Mexico. Yeah, you're getting ready for, uh, going to the Sekhmet Temple. Yeah. 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 To so New tell Mexico. us about the Sekhmet Temple and what your journey's about and what you plan to do there and, so we are, um, so the Sekhmet Temple um, is in Nevada. So it's a little bit of a drive from where I am, but uh, we're going to greet Venus and Mars in the morning sky there and, and the full moon, which is this weekend, the Pisces full moon. And uh, uh, we'll be doing ceremony in honor of that, in honor of Sekhmet. And, and part of, you know, uh, um, expanding our understanding of the Sekhmet story, because basically her story is that Ra sends her to Earth to straighten people out because they're um, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They've gotten out of balance. And so, um, and then she just starts killing off everybody. And then Ra's like, oops, <laughs> maybe she's like going, she, you know, she's berserker energy. She just, they can't stop her. They can't get her to come off, you know, just to stop killing people. So they get her drunk with um, beer that's got pomegranate juice that looks like blood. And, I, and I've also read versions that says it has mandrake root in it and stuff. Anyway. So she winds up passing out, and then when she wakes up, there's different versions of the story. She's either becomes Hathor, the goddess Hathor, or she meets her beloved Ptah, which is I kind of think similar to this, you know, this Venus Mars dance. And then she has the, then together they have the divine child Nefertum, who is a healer, and actually Sekhmet is also a healer as well. And so um, Nefertum is the Egyptian version of Asclepius who had the healing temples in Greece and you know that's where you would go to dream and then when you would have the dreams they would know how to help you get better to help you heal and so working with the dream energy and that sort of thing so we'll be working a lot with that in this Venus cycle as um, working with Sekhmet and and I you know I feel like her job is really to devour the negativity and to right the balance and she's she upholds the law of Ma'at Ma'at the goddess Ma'at who is about the balance of justice but what is just and what is imbalanced kind of thing so um she's fierce but you know she's also um she also has a lot of compassion and kind of not unlike kali who's you know seen as this fierce devouring you know killing goddess <laughs> but really has a, a very important function to play because mm -hmm. we need to 
digest and to you know to consume and digest and transform the negativity and that's mm -hmm. working with the alchemy it's not like how do you get rid of it it's like how do you transform it how do you digest it and put it into the cauldron and, and that's what Sekhmet is all about so so we're going to be uh, going and, and working with her very directly so we can bring her alchemy into this um, Venus cycle um, so I'm very excited it'll be fun <laughs> yeah that sounds wonderful yeah so so are there any other questions or anything um, um, let me think, did I have anything else I wanted to ask about? One of the things I would like to ask about, this is t off topic, but, um, it's a whole other different topic, but I'm very interested. We are at the end. We've now passed the square, this last square between Jupiter and Saturn and Jupiter and Saturn are so important for building up, for structuring society for expansion and society, you know, they're the social planets and they have a lot to do with how it, things show up and how they look out here. And so we're in this closing cycle. This is a 20 year cycle. I know when they seed, it takes about 20 years between when Jupiter conjuncts Saturn and then they come back. We're in this closing square now. So what are you seeing with this particular closing square between Jupiter and Saturn? What, what would you, have you thought about that or? Well, what's interesting is that um, if we think about Saturn as structure and form, and it also kind of represents limitations and boundaries and you know how we sort of function in this reality. We live in a middle world, terrestrial world kind of reality. And, and both Jupiter and Saturn are operating in this reality. Jupiter is the principle mm -hmm. of expansion. Saturn's kind of the principle of contraction. You can have too much contraction. You can have too much expansion. But actually, when Jupiter and Saturn work together, they create a balance so that you can actually get things done in the middle world. <laughs> so, so perhaps that's the um, way that we can work with that energy. Virgo is all about the sacred work. You know, how do we honor life as sacred? How do we engage in a sacred relationship with the earth and the sky and the timings that are happening and you know, doing the ceremonies at the solstices and equinoxes and the sunrises and the sunsets and the Venus Mars conjunctions and the you know whatever things that is so that we are um, showing up to inform the mysteries you know that they're informing us they're telling us what time it is and then we can set our intentions and in how we're going to engage with those mysteries and so um, the Saturn Jupiter dance really helps us to, to see that we are in a time when we can really create bringing you know a lot of a new form into this reality so that we're honoring the earth as sacred we're honoring the sacred timings we're honoring our relationship with it and our co-creative you know um, time how we are being co-creators with this energy and that it can be actually something practical in the middle world <laughs> something that can yes. be functional sustainable effective you know really works for everybody not just a few people and with Saturn and Sagittarius, it's really about that quest for truth and enlightenment and meaning and, you know, that, that whole thing. So how do we bring a more enlightened consciousness to what it is that we're creating? Yeah. So I, I, well, I definitely see the holism. You know, I, that's the word that comes to me is uh, Jupiter, you know, really, especially opposite to Neptune. Yes. You know, and Pisces, that and axis, the Virgo-Pisces axis is very much the mind-body. There is a holism there that I see. 
you know, right. there's a, the, you know, you know, with, you know, bringing more holistic methods, alternative methods into the hospitals, into working with prisoners, into working in with people who are psychologically, emotionally imbalanced. You know, it's, it's bringing that, you know, there's illumination there. There's, you know, so, and uh, the Virgo, you know, that's the original healer. So there is more of a integrate. I feel there's an integration there. And then with Saturn and Sagittarius, you know, it's, it is, you know, restructuring your beliefs. I mean, I think mm -hmm. beliefs, you know, right. the, the lie is right at the heart of beliefs. So I think that there can be, you know, beliefs for me are like training wheels. They're there to help you for a time until you can have this direct knowing this direct experience of truth right and then you 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 drop the training wheels you take responsibility for your perceptions and you know you you can get, you can access the wisdom you know that Sagittarius the wisdom truth right. directly well, and so there's a structure there you know I don't know what that looks like but it seems like there's some that whole thing is up for restructuring you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. and especially Neptune moving through its own sign Pisces before it reaches Aries. So it's like this, I feel like that we're done, 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 done with the whole patriarchy. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Yeah. And you know, and, and the other thing to also keep in mind is that the truth that we perceive how we perceive the truth and maybe beliefs is another way to say that it's always growing, evolving and changing as our perception. As exactly. Exactly. Because how you believe whatever you're, whatever you're, you know, it, it filters out, but of right. course you can't have everything coming in. You've got to, right. <laughs> you know, you've right. got to have, you know, structure. If you, everything's there, yeah. you know, you have no, you've got to have contrast. You've got to have structure. So, so what yeah. is the new truth that is helping us to create the reality that is going to help us to to um, be in a more enlightened place with how yes. we are perceiving and interacting with our reality and co-creating with yes. great mystery and uh, you know for ourselves personally but also planetarily. So yes. yeah, it's pretty exciting. And what works at one stage in our evolution is not going to work in another stage. Right. You know, exactly. it's just not. It's just not. And so then you're you're always always evolving. Always, you know, yeah. and it's a, it's not like a right wrong thing. Ultimately, you know, it's an evolutionary process, and uh, having the wisdom to recognize, well, this old system, this old structure, it worked at one time, and it's not going to. We can't, you know, we can't keep doing it the way we've been doing it and right. be successful in our future. Right. So, yeah. Exactly. So, yep. Don't for a new form because the old one is no longer sustainable. Yes, yes. But I do think holism, having a holistic, how everything's connected, I think that awareness is going to be very instrumental in whatever it is we do, the new structures we bring in for ourselves. Do you know what, exactly what degree and what, what year is still, I haven't looked that far ahead. When are they going to conjunct? When do they have this new I seed point between Jupiter and... I think it's in 2020 and I, um, I looked at it once and I'm not remembering exactly where that's happening. You know, what signs it's what degree is it in um, Capricorn? I think it is. Yeah. Because Pluto's just going to leave Capricorn in 2020. I think it is. Mm -hmm. So it will be in those last more near the, certainly in more, I consider those last 10 degrees from, uh, 
from 20 to 30, that's more mastery level where you're really right. coming right. more into, uh, you're completing that whole, you know, cycle of what, whatever that work was by whatever, whatever planet, God, however you want to see those forces. <laughs> right. Right. But those teachers that have been working. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, and I, I want to even take a leap ahead. I want to see, um, I was just looking ahead at 2025 when, um, I think it's 2025 actually when Pluto moves into Aquarius, uh, Neptune moves into, Aries and Uranus moves into Gemini in 2025. So, yeah, um, not far away. yeah it's not that far away. Things can happen. Come <laughs> I mean, up really. So, I want to just kind of, I've been thinking I would do a forecast for 2025. What 2025? That might be kind of an interesting show to do with you. You yeah. know, what, what are we, what's the vision? You know, with the, these things, what, if we were to imagine into it you know, with where we're at now, what, what will we have created? What are some of the things, you know, having a imagination, a positive imagination, you know, cause we create, we, you know, by what we're imagining. And so often in the, uh, in the, you know, we see these, you know, the negative, you know, people have these negative stories about what's happening, but there's always a positive force working for good in everything. So I think to, you know, to give a uh, voice to these positive forces that are trying to work themselves out in our consciousness, you know, through time. I would like, I would like to see what you have to say about that. That would be awesome. That would be, I think that'd be kind of a fun thing. I was thinking of doing it myself, but I think it would be good to have a collaborative. A collaborative thing. Sure. Yeah. What, what would want to dream itself up through us? Just. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's so, what we do. We're dreaming right. into it all the time. Yes. Yes. We're informing nope. as well as being informed. Indeed. Absolutely. So, yep. well, it. wonderful to be with you today as always. I really enjoyed it. So thanks so much for joining us for this special episode about the Venus return and reconnection with her lover Mars. My next conversations to enlighten and heal webinar show um, is on Wednesday, July 29th. I actually have another one scheduled um, on, uh, on September 23rd with Mo Abdel Baki, but I also have one on July 11th with my friend, um, Eldon uh, Taylor, who's a new New York Times bestselling author, uh, he's got a new book coming out called Gotcha, and it really shines a light on a lot of uh, a lot of things that are going on that are below our consciousness that I think would be helpful to for us to know about. Uh, so, anyway, I'm looking forward to both of those. Mo will uh, will talk about the eclipse cycle that's happening uh, from the Vedic astrology and his um, Tarot perspective. So have a beautiful day, everyone, or mahalo, much love to you, wishing you happy days always. Thanks again, Kaylin. It's been such a pleasure having you with us. My pleasure, too. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and enjoy your time uh, at Sekhmet Temple. I want to yes. hear about it. So I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> so until next time, relax, enjoy your life, and stay connected.